Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 12.45 at Edmonton. Again, uh, we had Peter Shirelli to open the show today. Uh, Mark Spector is going to join us. Stopper Inspector for Horse Racing Alberta. Live racing in Northlands Parks on Saturday at Northlands Parks, Saturday afternoon. A reminder, some guests and others now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 1990 Jasper Avenue. And a reminder that every Wednesday is date night at Roos Chris, where two can dine for $120. Go down and see Rebecca at Roos Chris. Mark Spector joins us. He's back in Edmonton. Uh, Mark, you were working it yesterday on the NHL trade deadline, and um, Peter Shirelli pretty uh, pretty open and honest in terms of uh, the return options that were there or lack of uh, return options that were there for Patrick Maroon. Yeah, I was interested to hear uh, just on the show a few minutes ago, he said he had one offer. So, uh, you know, people... People are, are very, I know people are disappointed. I heard Chiarelli aware that people are disappointed in only a third from Maroon, and it doesn't sound like enough. A third and uh, J.D. Dudek, uh, I would say a mid-level prospect. It, no, it doesn't seem like enough, but, you know, I, I liken it, Bob, to, to you know, if you list your house. Would you list your house, there's no end date on it. You hang on to your house till the, the offers come in that are commensurate with what you're hoping to get for your house. But if you listed your house on March 1st and you had to sell it by March 15th, and that was it, you had to make the decision by the end of March 15th, you'd take what you could get for your house. And unfortunately, the market worked against uh, Shirelli. And uh, you, you made the point, Bob, and you're dead right. When Vanek, the return for Vanek was very, very low. And I suspected at that moment the return for Maroon wouldn't be what people suspect. But he didn't have the option of hanging on for another day or two or weeks or even another five minutes. He had to make the trade. And he made the trade. He got a third. That's the best there was. Well, I, look, I'll take it from my perspective. And, and I know the fans like Patrick Maroon. Um, they, you know, they called him the big rig. He put up, you know, a 27-goal season last year, of course, he played a lot with Connor McDavid, and I think we're going to see a reoccurring theme when playing with Connor McDavid. I think Patrick's a useful NHL player. But as you know, Mark, I mean, I'm on the road all season long. And over the last month and a half, um, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning were bird-dogging, I believe, Patrick Maroon. And possibly Latestu, but they had, in the previous California trip, Pat Verbeek, Jerry O'Flaherty, both at games. John Ferguson Jr. from the Boston Bruins at all three games on our California trip. Uh, Matt Lindblad was there multiple times uh, from the Boston Bruins to see uh, Troy Bodie 
from the Maple Leafs. Like these, those three teams knew that they're in the playoffs, given the division they're in. And the reoccurring comment to me is, this guy isn't blanking a drop out there right now. And and so people got to, you know, I'm not going to slag Patrick. I wish him the best of luck. He's a he's a a very uh, engaging guy. Uh, he's he's the type of guy that could capitalize on opportunities beyond hockey when it's all said and done. But his game went quiet at a critical time for Edmonton, and that did not help uh, in terms of about. And you know the other thing, part of it, Mark, frankly, is guys aren't dumb. They sit there and go, "Well, he scored twenty seven goals, but he, you know, he scored twenty seven goals playing with McDavid." And what did Glenn Sather once say about B.J. McDonald? <laughs> yeah, something about a fire hydrant. A fire hydrant could score 40 goals. Well, it's a little bit different time, but uh, 27 goals today is like 40 goals back in the early 1980s. And so, you know, Pat capitalized on it. He scored some big goals for the Oilers. He had games that he was great. I, The moment I went, uh-oh, uh, for me, there was it was a two-parter. Number one, Mark, when Boston got Rick Nash, okay? Mm-hmm. And then number two, when I saw the return on Vanek. And the reason for Nash, six goals for Maroon in three games against Boston before the Oilers played Boston last week. And I was like, oh, man. If any team would look at Maroon and say that's the guy, it would have been Boston. And instead they stepped up and went and got Nash. And it just shows you with the return of the two players who had more currency in the league. Do you not agree? Well, Shirelli said yesterday one of his issues was that his players weren't playing as good as they had played. Um, you know, Latestu just did not have a good year. And frankly, at age 33, when your production and your speed and your game goes south a little bit, it is very fair to question if it's ever going to go back north at that age. Uh, as much as we all like Mark Latestu, that's just a fact of covering athletes. So Latestu wasn't as, if you'd have traded him a year ago, he'd have been worth, really, he, he graded out as about a fourth. They got Auburn, which I thought was an excellent pickup for that value. And Maroon wasn't good. And I think the biggest sign, you know, we all know those scouts you just listed, Bob. They're all paid to watch hockey players over the course of time and assess them. And with Tampa taking a long look at Maroon and Boston taking a long look at Maroon and Toronto, and none of those teams made an offer on Maroon. So, you know, it's it's easy to sit out there and, and say to Pete Chiarella, you got to get more for this guy. Well, you know, you can't get more if there's no offers there. And I'll also say this, Bob, you know, in terms of any general manager, he picked up Maroon for a fourth-round pick. He got 49 goals out of him and traded him for a third-round pick. And, you know, again, a, a prospect. I don't know if J.D. Dudek will ever play, but even in terms of asset management, uh, under the circumstances, you know, he traded a guy that has not had a good season at all and injured himself a few games ago. I might add that there was some question about that. So he, he, again, he traded a fourth for Maroon, got 49 goals, and got a third back for him. I'm not sure how you can criticize asset management there. Well, uh, and take a look at Brandon Davidson. They picked him up on waivers and got a third-round pick for him. And most of the fans, the response on that trade was very good. And I think most fans are, and the fans are completely comfortable with the return on Latestu for Aberg at this stage in the season. Now, what is interesting, Mark, for me is, you know, Peter talked about the fact that you, you, you can't, you look at Clefbaum, he's having a tough year. You know there's teams wanting, and Peter used the term poacher, there's teams that want to jump on the owners. I'll give you another guy. 
Ryan Strom, okay? I know for a fact that the Edmonton Oilers teams, because I, I can tell by how many teams were asking me about Ryan Strom, there could have been something there, okay? They got a, and and I, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. Dustin Nielsen put a tweet out yesterday saying that this time last year, Jordan Everly had 13 goals. And Ryan Strom had 12. <laughs> you know, so, and, and people say, oh, it was, you know, uh, Everly's worst year ever. Well, Everly was at a top, a top six spot the entire year to that point in the season last year when he had 12, 13 goals at this point. And Strom's sitting there at 12. And Strom's basically played second slash third line minutes all year. So there were opportunities to do other things. And sometimes, what do I say? The best trades are the ones you don't make. Oh, no. Certainly, I think I look at Strom. Uh, you know, I've looked at Strom the same way all year. Everly, to me, uh, is is a career twenty five, twenty seven goal man. He had a bad year last year. He's going back to that number again. I think he's got twenty two as we speak. Uh, Strom's a pretty much a career fifteen goal guy. You know, I'm looking at their numbers right now, Bob. Everly's probably I'm done the math here. He's on pace for twenty seven, and and Strom's on pace for fifteen. And Everly makes six million, and Strom makes two and a half. So, I think that in the end, they got exactly what they expected. It took Strom a little while to fire up here. I, I now look at Strom as, you know, to me, the, the biggest move, and maybe we can talk about this, Bob. Biggest move the Oilers need to consider now is, is they have to find their defenseman. They have to find a guy that can run their power play, and they have to figure out if they're willing to use Ryan Nugent Hopkins to get it. And to me, you know, if they have to look at Ryan Strom and think, is there enough centerman here that if we trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins, we can utilize this guy as a second or third centerman? Uh, I'm not sure that I'm not saying that that's a good idea, but I think that's something they'll be assessing over the last 20 games. They're going to be assessing a lot. We're going to go down that theme when we return in Oilers now. It's 1244 in Edmonton. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports certificate of authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic. Hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, Pro-Am Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1247 in Edmonton, 1147 Pacific. It will be Cam Talbot starting for the Oilers game time decision according to Jack Michaels for Chris Russell on defense. Pontus Aberg will play with Strom and Paul Yarby. Zach Cassian did not skate, got a tweak against Anaheim on Sunday. By the way, the Oilers are 4-1-5 in their last five. They won four or five games this season uh, when they haven't had Maroon in the lineup. You can escape the cold this February, March, get away with New West travel on great last-minute deals to fun in the sun destinations. These all-inclusive vacation packages include airfare, meals and drinks, entertainment, including parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. On sale now, Riviera Maya, twelve ninety-five, Puerto Vallarta, twelve oh seven, and Motoko, just eighteen twenty-nine. For reservations and more information, call the travel experts at New West Travel. Go online at newwesttravel.com. All right, Mark, um, let's talk about two players because 
McDavid and Drysaddle and Nurse. We know these three guys are they're they're here for sure. They're the long. I mean, come on, we we know they're here. I mean, and and the mythology out there that Leon Drysaddle hasn't played up to the numbers. Forget that. He's now ahead of last year's pace, despite the fact that he's on a thirty-first ranked power play in the NHL, which even reinforces how much better he's played five on five. But you, you talked about Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Oscar Kleffbaum. Yeah, and my my point is, last year your your defense was Kleffbaum and Larson, uh, Sekra and Russell, and Nurse and Benny, and it was good enough to come eighth in the league uh, defensively and get you forty seven wins. Yep. So, given the maturation and growth specifically of Nurse Benning, who's had a tough year this year, but these things don't go in straight lines, and then Kleffbaum and Larson, could they not live with that D next year? Do they have to, you know, can you set up a power play so you don't have to have a right-handed power play quarterback? Or do they have to get a right-handed power play quarterback based on how the power play performed this year? Well, I think they need, you know, right-handed power play quarterback would be perfect. Uh, I think you don't blow a big asset for um, that position unless it's a right-handed guy. I'd take a better left-handed guy over what they have in terms of offensive defensemen. Uh, I just don't see, Bob, I don't see the traditional really offensive guy. I don't see a guy, we watched Samuel, uh, was it uh, Girardi the other day in here for, um, or Girard, uh, for Colorado, he's just a kid. He's just starting out. But the instincts and the way he plays, there's a, a budding offensive defenseman. He's got it written all over him. Uh, I don't see that in anybody that the Oilers have at this point. Do you Do you see a real, true power play quarterback who can bomb a puck out of any of the six guys they've got? Well, Clefbaum's had a bad offensive campaign, right? But he did have 12 goals and 38 points last year, and Sekra had 8 goals and 35 points last year. Have you given up on both of those players? I haven't given up on those players. Sekra's never been a first-line power play quarterback, right? He's never been that yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a second-year second, he's a second year power play okay. guy. Ken Clefbaum, I guess, so it's a two-parter. Number one, can Clefbaum be a first-year power play guy? And number two, can Sekra bounce back? Because he's had a, and you were the guy, in fairness, all season, Mark, who warned the fan base and said this might be a complete write-off for a year. Andre Sekra's minus 13 in 20 games this year. He's had a horrendous, a horrendously difficult time coming back from that injury. Yeah, a player of his age with the severity of injury that he suffered, uh, uh, yeah, the whole season is generally lost, and it has been for Sekra. Can he bounce back? I can't see why he can't. I mean, I think he should be able to be a better, certainly a better player than he was this year. The orders are open, so because they got him signed for a couple more years. But so, I mean, we're in agreement on Andre Sekra. He's he at his very best. He's a second power play unit defense, but he doesn't get a shot through very well, and he doesn't shoot it that hard. Um, in terms of Clefbaum, I mean, he can he play on my top power play unit? Sure, he can. He can be a an off the shooter, but he is not a guy who rushes the puck particularly often or well. He's not, um, you know, he's not the kind of prototypical quarterback power, uh, sorry, power play quarterback. He is not a quarterback of this thing. Uh, he, the puck can move through Oscar. He does not drive your power play, right? Uh, so no, I, I think that 
you, know, you want an elite power play. Uh, they've got some elite players here, but an elite defenseman uh, on your power play, Oscar Clefbaum, does not fill that criteria for me, does he for you? Point blank, would you trade Oscar Clefbaum for Tyson Berry? Yeah, point blank. You would, eh? Yep. Okay. Clefbaum's the better defender, and he can play 22-plus a game. That's fine. And the Abs won a bunch of games when Barry was out of the lineup. Well, I'm just saying, uh, you know, it's not always necessarily, uh, sometimes it's about what you need, right? Yeah, I mean, I and, think that's, you can... and that is a fair, Mark, there's no wrong answer here. It's, it's a debate, and, and that's the question I have. Would you trade? I mean, they're going to they're gonna sign Kale McCarr as soon as UMass Amherst's season's over. Okay, they're going to sign him down down to Sandy, uh, San Antonio, get him some games in the pro. My guess is they'll have Eric Johnson and Kale McCarr on their. The, the, the issue is they don't want Clefbaum. The issue is the guy they want is Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, that's exactly. They want the, they the, want a second line center in Colorado. So part two, would you trade Nugent Hopkins for Tyson Berry? Yeah, that's an excellent question and would require a, just a ton of thought from me. Uh, and the reason is this. You know, I, I think it's, it, you're really changing everything on your team if you trade Nuge. I mean, let's start with the fact that he is at this point, uh, was he 24? Uh, yes, you've had him around. he's you've 24. Him, yeah, so you've had him here for five or six years. He's really starting to become the player you'd hope he, you hoped he would be. Uh, I think a sign of that, Bob, for me is he's finally got his power play, or his faceoff percentage starts with five, or at least it did last time I checked. He's in the over 50%, and, and he's always been like a 43% lifetime guy, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not just the face-off ball, but generally when a young centerman starts to figure out the circle, it's not the only thing he's figuring out, right? He's figuring out how to play the game, how to fit in with veteran players around the league. So the player himself has started to mature into an excellent player, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And, and part two to this, and I'll let you speak to it, Bob, is if – you you know we clearly can see that Connor McDavid likes playing with Drysaddle and vice versa. If you don't have Nugent Hopkins behind them as your second line center, how often can you put 97 and 29 over the boards together? Yeah, uh, just below 50 percent. Nugent's at 49.2. Um, I got to tell you, I'd be pretty leery of doing that myself. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like Tyson Berry a lot, I'd like to get really creative to find a way to get Tyson Berry on the team. Uh, You know, I think he's a good player. I think he'd be a perfect fit for what the Oilers need. But I'm not sure I'd be convinced that Ryan Nugent Hopkins would be the P. I would really have to to evaluate that for the exact I mean, you would have McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, Strom, and Kayla as center options next year, Strom being a right shot guy. Strom's got to work on a hit, but Strom's looked better at center too than on the way. And, you know, so I'm going to be intrigued to see how this team gets built and assembled moving forward. And the other, the other thing is, Mark, just to wrap up here, because we only got a couple minutes left, um, Peter Shirelli said lots of evaluation still to take place. What happens if the team goes 5-15, and 15, and what happens if the team goes 15-5 and five in the final 20? Uh... You know, it's a good question. I, I, I saw Peter, I heard Peter reference garbage time, and we do have to be careful. You know, we saw a lot of good play in garbage time over the years that meant nothing, frankly. You saw it, Bob. I saw it from a front row seat. So 
you know, uh, I, there are things that I think we can look at. I want to see Talbot keep his game up and go confidently into the summer. Um, I'd like to see, uh, you know, Dreisaitl has clearly got his game back. It's back now, and I think we're happy about that. Yes, his numbers are the same this season. No, he wasn't nearly as good as he needed to be when the season mattered. I'm going to say that, Bob. I think early in the year they needed Leon Dreisaitl to be a lot better than he was. Uh, but I think it's an individual thing. I want to see Jarkara tell me that he can come back next year as a third-line center. I want to see him continue. He doesn't to have to third. come, Mark. Mark, he doesn't have to come back as a third line center. He has to come back as a fourth line center. Well, uh, I know. I mean, we're talking about moving centers here, and I'd like to see how good he can play. But sure, as I'm, I know. Uh, put it this way, Bob. I absolutely am pretty sure he's. Oh, he, if he's my fourth line center, I'm okay. I wonder if he can be a third line center. That's what I'm trying to spit out here. Okay. Um, you know, I think there's a chance of that with the way he's played of late, with his offensive. Uh, you know, he's he started to show some offense. Why not? I don't think we need to saddle him as a fourth line guy only. So I'm looking at it individually, Bob. I want to see. You know, I don't. I don't care if Chris Russell doesn't keep blocking shots like a maniac. Now that the games don't matter, but I certainly do want to see young players. I want to see Drake Kachula get something done here with the rest of the season. It's been an awful season for him. And I, if if Matthew Benning um, gave me 20 consistent games, I'd sure be a lot happier than what I've seen the first 60. Is that fair? Yeah, for me, I want to see, you know, uh, Slapishev and Kuntula are both restricted free agents. What are they? At this stage, I'd say uh, I thought Drake Kuntula was going to be a middle six forward. Right now, to me, he's more of a fourth line, uh, yeah. fourth liner. Slapishev doesn't play great with others, but might be a third line winger. You know, you got to sign both guys. Uh, they're both restricted free agents. So I need to see what's happening there. I need to see how far Paul Yarby progresses. Do the minutes increase for him down the stretch? Um, so, and then in terms of Strom, can he continue to gain some traction at center? Milan Lucic. Okay. Yeah, him too. This, him too. Forgot about him. <laughs> that, this cannot can continue. He's got 25 games without a goal. So those are some of the things I'll be watching for just with the forwards up front. Hey, Speck, we're going to do two hours in studio. We're going to do an hour in studio coming up next Tuesday. Thank you very much for joining me today, okay? All right, Bobby. Enjoy San Jose. You bet. It is 12.58 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer joining me. We've still got in the second hour of the show out of Ottawa, Bruce Garriock. Uh, from uh, Post Media, the most plugged-in guy in Ottawa is going to tell you what's going on with Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators, or what didn't go on, perhaps, yesterday. And uh, Brett Hedekin uh, from the San Jose Sharks television broadcast to give us perspective on their acquisition yesterday of Evander Keeney. will be in the line tonight, by the way, for the Sharks. Tom Stopper with you in San Jose. Off to the Global News Weather Traffic Update, Ellie Bell.